on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's Axman. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1. ESPN Radio, you the car What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on 96.5 on the FM, baby. Or you can listen wherever you are, whatever you are doing, and that is on the ESPN app. Great way to stay in touch with the show. You put it on the app, you find the listen tab, you find us, and then... You go, it's it's sunny today. It's sunny today. I see blue sky. I see sun. I see faint signs of spring down the road. Yesterday I was miserable, as many of you were. I, I kind of got sick of winter yesterday. I kind of hit my, my breaking point. I'm like, I'm done with this. But at least the sun is shining today. So if you are out there in the sunshine, take us with you. We'd like to come. It's nice out on the ESPN app. Here's how you get in touch with the show. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The On The Block text line is 288-0644. All great ways to get in touch with the show. Fire off your hot takes. That's hot. You know, like Tyus Battles, not a leader, and he's selfish in that nonsense we heard on yesterday's show. Hey, we're here to, to express those opinions, how I react to those. Well, that's on you. So bring it. We're ready. We have two guests that will join us today. Mike McAllister, top of next hour on the current state of affairs on Syracuse Athletics and the future affairs as far as Cruton goes. Always a lot to update on that front. Always enjoy catching up with Mike. Now, Mike would be the first to admit to you that he is one of the more vocal critics of officiating. From game to game, he will certainly point it out on his Twitter feed if he spots uh, an egregious call by the Zebras. So he must have been in his glory on Monday given how bad the officiating was in the first half. So we will discuss that with Michael, and we will also discuss that with Jim Beheim, who will join us for his weekly spot here on the block, presented by Ferone and Son Funeral Home. That is later in the show, about 5.30. Preview Wake Forest, final thoughts on North Carolina with the head coach, as we do every Thursday. And just a reminder, we are now into the throes of lacrosse season. So John Desco, the head lacrosse coach of the men's lacrosse team, joins me every Friday on the block, so we'll get a preview of, uh, A, it's Virginia week, and it's unfortunate that that game is at the same time as the Hoops game, but if you're in town and maybe Wake Forest isn't your thing, you want to go see what is always a great lacrosse game. 
16 one-goal games in their history. Syracuse only has one more goal in the entire series history itself. 18-17 series edge. Always an amazing game between Syracuse and Virginia. Face-off on that is Saturday at noon at the Dome. We will talk to John Desco about that tomorrow. So keep that in mind as we're getting into lax season. Hot takes on the way. Blindside on the way. So you're telling me somebody left the Monday night football booth and it's not Tessator? One day I'll have my wish. But we start with the breaking news. Baseball? Baseball? Been very, very good to me. Remember that? Manny Machado goes to San Diego. Other big deals happening in baseball. Nolan Arenado with Colorado. And you're like, okay, when's the big one going to happen? We're waiting for Bryce Harper to land somewhere. What are you going to do, Bryce? Where are you going to go? Well, it's happened. It's all happening, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN and now various reports coming in. The Philadelphia Phillies have won the Bryce Harper sweepstakes, finalizing a 13-year, $330 million deal with the free agent outfielder. Harper's deal includes a no-trade clause and has no opt-outs. League sources told ESPN, indicating that he is committed to the Phillies for possibly the rest of his career. Harper, the 2015 National League MVP, was one of the top prizes in the crop of free agents. We went through some other ones, right? So not only does Harper's deal exceed what Machado got, a 10-year, $300 million deal with San Diego, I think we expected that. It also beats Giancarlo Stanton's 13-year, $325 million extension signed with the Miami Marlins. Said Harper's agent Scott Borist, quote, we had average values of $45 million offered on shorter-term deals. We had a full buffet. MLB.com, the first to report that Harper and the Phillies were closing in on an agreement. Boris also telling the Post, quote, the goal was the longest contract possible. Bryce wanted one city for the rest of his career. This is what I was instructed to do. It's very difficult in this time to get length of contract that takes a player to age 37, 38, and 39. Following news of Harper's decision, I always love the gambling aspect of this. His odds to win the 2019 NL MVP award went from 6 to 5 to 1 at the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. Harper is 26 years old, which is incredible to think about. Let's pause there for a moment because I remember distinctly when Harper had a cup of coffee here in Syracuse. It was coming off Strasburg. Strasburg comes through. I forget what bank had its name on the stadium at the time, honestly. Some of the most electric baseball crowds we have ever seen in Syracuse, New York. People finding anywhere they could to park. A full ballpark. The hype, the buildup, the national media that had come. I remember they had to put up risers in the press box over at the ballpark. And I was doing PA at the time. And it was just incredible to feel that energy for a few different starts, a few different games for Strasburg. As I like to say from time to time on the show, and you are well aware of, but it doesn't hurt to remind you, this is an event town. And the way people want to feel like they're part of events, the Duke game has gone well beyond a basketball game. It is an event year in and year out. And your friends here at Galaxy Media uh, helped hype that up a little bit. I'm not ashamed to say, by having the Orange Out event, right? Everybody had a, a good time at that and kind of added a new element to it, bringing in former players. And there's just a feeling, there's a buzz, there's an electricity, however you want to phrase it, 
when those type of events are around. When Strasburg came through, every time he pitched, it felt that way. Now, Harper didn't really get to do that. I remember the buildup. I remember the anticipation of the Nationals and all these great players they had coming down the pike, and there was a question about whether or not he would even come to Syracuse. I remember doing a former version of this show. We were simulcast on television at the time, and you know, I remember doing uh, different segments of that show from different points of the ballpark, and there was hype and build-up to that, and there were big crowds. It didn't quite reach Strasburg level, and Harper was gone. Harper was here and gone at a time of the year. See, the thing with Strasburg is the weather was great. It was late spring, summer. You could get out to the ballpark. You wanted to be there. Harper was here when it's still, you know, it could be like outside today in early April around here. So he was here and gone, and you always said, well, there's a guy who, at least he was here. Earlier last season, I did a profile of uh, then Syracuse Chiefs manager Randy Knorr, and this is when the Chiefs were in their last days with the Washington Nationals. They're not even the Chiefs anymore, as we know. They're now the Syracuse Mets. And I just happened to be there that night when Bryce Harper won home run derby. And it was cool to be there because these are Nationals players, some of which had played with him and know him. And Randy Knorr knew his dad and knew Bryce and had been in the organization, worked with him at spring training. And just to hear, so I was in Randy Knorr's office, and it was me and Randy and and our photographer, Scott Trimble, who was just here working on a different story, which you'll see coming soon. little tease for you there. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this project that I'm working on right now. Coming soon on Syracuse.com. So it's just the three of us in his office, but every time Harper hit another home run and was making that run to win home run derby back at the All-Star break in July, they were going nuts in that clubhouse like it was Game 7 of the World Series. And I remember just thinking at the time, like, this is going to be his legacy. This is going to be his mark with the Washington Nationals thinking at the time, perhaps, that that team could make a run of the World Series, which, of course, they did not. Another hyped-up, built-up team built to win with the Nationals that just didn't come through. We all knew free agency was coming. The Nationals put this huge deal on the table, and then we went through this offseason of, well, who's going to make the first move? Well, it turned out to be Machado. And of all places, he goes to San Diego. We mentioned the other deal. Colorado put on the table for Arenado. Colorado. Right, Seth had a great uh, blind, or was it Tommy Gunn? I can't remember. One of you boys had a great um, blindside question. I think it was Seth earlier this week when he said, how can all these teams keep up with the Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres? So Philly is interesting for so many reasons. First of all, the money is huge. And didn't the owner of the Phillies, wasn't he quoted as saying he's not going to spend stupid money on Harper? I would put that in the stupid money category. 13 years, $330 million. And what I've heard from people all along, from Tim Kirkshin, uh, Passan, baseball insiders, I'm kind of kind of melding one opinion into one. But people kept saying, don't doubt that Bryce Harper and Scott Boris will get what they want. And it came down to, I mean, if you consider this a deadline, because spring training's underway. But there was a thought even just a couple weeks ago, that owners were holding the line, we're not going to give you 
10-year deals. We're not going to give you $300 million. Nobody's doing this anymore. Well, Harper got 13 and $330 million, which just goes to show you do not doubt Scott Boris. Do not doubt the Major League Baseball Players Association. They'll get it done. I got to be honest with you, I went back and forth, right, on whether this would happen. Philly, the big money, and if Harper would win out. He won. Boris won. So immediately we start asking ourselves these questions, right? I mean, we can't even let this absorb. But I think it's a fair question because of all the names I just said, none of them would qualify as the best player in baseball. That's Mike Trout. So he's next. And Trout's in a place. See, think about this. Trout's, I mean, he's in Los Angeles. It's not like he's in Boise. But Trout on the West Coast, he doesn't have that electric personality that Harper has. Everybody knows of him, and, and he he's not does not lack of coverage. But Trout is like the quietest superstar in sports. Will he remain there? Will he be loyal there, or will he want to make a jump? And when he gets his money, it's going to top this. These contracts don't go down. For those that said the owners will take a stand on this and won't do 10-year deals and no $300 million, they don't go down. They never do. They go the other way. The second biggest thing that jumps out to me is he's in the division. If I'm the Washington Nationals, who just – I mean, look, I understand they wanted to move on. They said they put a pretty fair deal on the table. Nobody really knew what that kind of money was, but we knew it was in the $300 million range. But if I'm a Nationals fan today, if I am ownership, if anybody that would qualify to be in this conversation, did I really do everything I could to get Bryce Harper back? And if I'm going to lose him, I want to lose him to not the Phillies, not in my division. Now, in a business sense, Bryce Harper is going to come through Nationals Park a bunch of times a year, so that'll help ticket sales, certainly. So maybe that's the trade-off, right? Well, if we can't have him here, we can still make a bunch of money off him when Philly comes to town. And now, all of a sudden, Washington Nationals-Philadelphia-Philly games become must-see television. He's in the division. If I'm the National, he's, look, he's a free agent. He went where the best deal was, where the biggest deal and the most money was. Okay. God bless America. That's what you do. Right, Stephen A? I'm a chicken. I'm quack, quack, quacking. That's right. But you heard what Boris said. The goal was to get the longest contract possible. The fact that Harper, who, by the way, hit 249 last year, 34 homers, 100 RBIs, struggled for the first half of the season, but as we mentioned, won the home run derby. Hit 300 with 11 homers, 46 RBIs, 46 runs, and 223 at-bats after the All-Star break. He led the National League in walks and ranked fifth in on-base percentage. So we can go through the numbers. We can go through everything. He's in the division. He's got the biggest deal ever until Trout gets his in a couple years. No trades, no opt-outs. He wants to be there. So you've got 13 years of Bryce Harper, and I brought it up a moment ago. He's 26 He's been in baseball since pretty much he could be. So it feels like he's been around longer than that. He's 26. This guy's still, I mean, who knows, with injuries and unforeseen things, but still has eight really good productive MVP-like seasons left in him. And again, you never know what can happen as people trail and injuries and so forth. But he is as competitive as they come. He takes care of himself. What I like about Bryce Harper is now he's in Philly. 
in a very colorful city that, look, it goes either way. If you win, they will celebrate you to no end. That Eagles team that won the Super Bowl will never buy another meal in that city ever again. If you lose, well, they're going to let you hear about it. See, the Phillies go from, who remember not too long ago, were the worst team in baseball and were the example of, you know, tanking and building up. And But you always looked at them and said they've got the resources, they've got the money, they've got the minor league system. And when they came into play, and every time we had this discussion, people they just kept going back to Philly. Kept going back to Philly. That's the team that makes sense. But could he handle it? And I, I kind of laughed at that. I mean, I don't know Bryce Harper personally, but all those people say, oh, do you want to go to the scrutiny of Philly? And I'm like, I know enough about Bryce Harper to know that he welcomes that. The back and forth that will happen between him and the Philly media, him and the fans, they'll love that guy. Philly fans, it's like New York fans or any very opinionated fan base. If you come in wearing the other uniform, they'll say everything in the book about you, your mother, your grandmother, and everybody. The minute you join them, they will defend you to the death. Philly fans must, I'd love to listen in on sports talk radio in Philly right now because they must be just doing backflips. No trades, no opt-outs. He's like, I'm here, and I'm here for the long haul. Favorite stat in this is that Bobby Bonilla will still be getting $1 million checks for the New York Mets when Harper is given his last check from the Phillies in, what is it, 2031 or something crazy like that? So that is on the table. Harper has landed. We'll get into some other things during Hot Takes. We'll certainly get back to the Syracuse Hoops conversation. Mike McAllister and Jim Beheim. Later in the show, you can join us at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. All great ways to join the program. So much more to do here on this Thursday edition on the block. There it is. It's still there. I just looked out. Sun's still shining in central New York. No matter what the weather is, the sun would be shining in Philly today. So your reaction to the Harper deal and get to that. And so much more. I do have to get to a break right now, though. But before we do, I believe, boys, what do we got on line one here? I'm just double checking here before we, uh, it is Joe. Okay, I wanted to make sure. Do a little look behind the scenes here. We want to make sure that it was my man Joe from Lee Baldwin. On line one, ready to deliver. Today, it's going great, Joe. It's going great if you're Bryce Harper. That's for sure. He just cashed oh, in. Oh, man. Baby. Yeah, I'd stay there for 10 years, too, for that kind of deal. <laughs> I'd go anywhere for that. <laughs> I'd go to the moon for $300 million. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. What we could do at Lee Baldwin and Company with $335 million. Oh, man, we could do a lot. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, we had the Dow down 70 points today, closing okay. at 25,916. Uh, S&P off eight, closing at 2,784. Uh, we had a uh, diamond, so he could buy a little bit of this or maybe a franchise of uh, Shake Shack. They were up uh, 322 today, closing at 5525. And uh, the dog of the day was Hewlett Packard, down 413, closing at 1972. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, X. All right. Be good, my friend. That is Joe from Lee Baldwin and Company, ready to cash in, do the thing. If you want more diamonds than dogs on your portfolio, Lee Baldwin and Company, Casanova, Utica, Manlius, or go to the website, LeeBaldwin.com. Back after this on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe.
Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Great to have you. What's happening? How's your Thursday going? Sunshine in central New York. We'll take it, man. We'll take it. Tomorrow. Are you ready? Always fun when the calendar flips to March. March Madness on the way. St. Patrick's Day on the way. Don't count on warmer temperatures, though. Fish fry season starts next week with Lent happening. Get those Irish beers flowing. Although I think I'm giving up beer for Lent this year, so that's not going to work this time around. Anyway. March is here, kids. Starts tomorrow, and uh, how Syracuse pads its NCAA tournament resume and its few remaining regular season games in March is something we'll discuss coming up with Mike McAllister, top of the hour, Jim Beheim later in the show. But right now, hit me with that fancy open. Let's do it. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. So you're telling me there's a change in the Monday Night Football booth. That change is not Tessator. I believe the Rolling Stones saying it once, you can't always get what you want, right? Well, okay. But it's interesting on a lot of fronts. First of all, the fact that Jason Witten, I kind of think of that scene from The Wedding Singer, you know, things you could have told me yesterday. Oh, you still want to play football? But look, the competitive spirit of an athlete, if they still feel that they can play football, by Witten going back to the Dallas Cowboys, as the team announced uh, Thursday, he's going to get a one-year deal which could uh, with incentives push him up to about $5 million per year. You never really get it out of your system. And if he feels like he's still in a window where he can play and and wants to contribute to that team, and by going back, he now puts in more years of service than anybody in Dallas Cowboys history, God bless you. But if Witten goes to the booth this year, and let's say makes it to a Tony Romo-like level, ESPN found its star, because that's and I'm going to get electric shocks under the desk from Bristol here, But clearly, that's what ESPN wanted. They saw what Romo did at CBS and wanted their Romo and Witten, you know, same game plan, right? Hasn't been in broadcasting, just knows football. Put him in there. We'll train you. We can teach you this stuff. And, you know, that booth just didn't work, just like McDonough and John Gruden didn't work the year before that. And it's it's interesting how ESPN puts so much of its infrastructure and investment into Monday Night Football. They pay $2 billion a year for Monday Night Football. They get one crappy playoff game every year. Then They're not in the Super Bowl rotation, though ABC might be putting the Super Bowl rotation in the next round of deals. So ESPN will be involved with that, certainly. You had Tessator and Witten and Booger and the Boogermobile, and then we heard that no more Boogermobile, so now it will be Tess and Booger, or are they going to find somebody else to put in there? It's like they are constantly tinkering with this, and that's just what happens sometimes. As somebody that works in broadcasting, you just don't mesh with certain people, certain chemistry. It's just, you know, like anything in sports, you know, you can do a lot of reps, you can work on it. Sometimes it just doesn't work. But the fact that Witten is going back to play I'm just wondering, like, if he kills it this year in the booth and he is on a Romo-like level or or kind of starts his own phenomenon, does he feel the need to go back to football? Or did Witten catch some wind of some of the criticism? 
that he had. He had some beauties in that booth, which is, again, they threw him into the fire. They didn't put him, you know, ESPN doesn't have the benefit of, that made the Romo story so amazing. CBS has eight different crews that calls football. You can start him on, like, you know, the D crew and work him up over a couple years. They threw him right in the hot seat with Nance, and it turned into a phenomenon. What was the biggest story going into Super Bowl week? It was <laughs> how many picks was, you know, how many plays, pardon me, was Tony Romo going to predict? Didn't quite work out for Witten, so now they got to readjust the booth. He goes back to play football, which, again, if he wants to do that, more power to him. I am I am not That's wanting hot. to tell athletes when to quit and how to quit. If he still can play, he's certainly – look, for all the criticism of Witten, the guy knows football. The guy could coach tomorrow if he wanted to. I just found it interesting that they've already ducked and run on that, and he's got a you know an outlet to go back for football at least for another year. I saw a, <laughs> one comment. From our good friend Damon Mendelore, he said, Jason Witten would rather go smash helmets with linebackers in the National Football League than deal with Twitter. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So uh, in the silliness of football, it's combine time, right? We're all about measurements, and players have to reach certain measurements. Like, and I thought Golik and Wingo did a great job with this this morning, like the updates and uh, how they, if you were listening this morning with Kyler Murray's hand size and was it at a certain level? And look, I love how this goes from a Jeff Legwold of ESPN. In the measurement heard around the NFL world, Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray came in at five feet, 10 and one eighth inches tall, weighed 207 pounds. His hand size was nine and uh, just about 9.5, right? Because the quarterbacks you get. Compared to are Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Wilson was just over six feet, 213 pounds at the combine in 2001. Or I'm sorry, Brees. Wilson was 5'10 and 5'8, 204 pounds at the 2012 combine. Wilson is still the only starting quarterback in the NFL under six feet. Dwayne Haskins came in at 6'3", 231. Drew Locke, 6'3", 228. Daniel Jones from Duke, 6'5", 221. So they're kind of the prototype sizes, and that's what everybody's wondering with Murray. Look, Heisman Trophy winner, 4,361 yards, 42 touchdowns, 7 picks, over 1,000 yards, dynamic athlete. As we know, could have played baseball if he wanted to. There's a name I left out of that discussion, though, and I know the jury is still out somewhat, but... You know, it's smaller hand size than Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. People said all the same things about Baker last year, and I think by the time the 2018 season was, o- 2018 season was over, we were all under the impression that Baker Mayfield's an NFL quarterback and that Cleveland is one of those hot teams on the rise. They just put the right, and I know we've said this a lot about Cleveland over the years, but they just put the right players there and figure this out. They'll be a playoff team. The difference is they have a quarterback. They have a legit, bona fide, number one draft pick quarterback despite his size flaws. And I remember these same conversations happening last year about Baker at the Combine. So now Kyler Murray's in this spot, and I will say it now, and I will continue to say it until the draft unless there's something that shakes my opinion of this, such as a team trading into the first spot and saying, we're taking this guy, and his name's not Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's the first pick in the draft. I think he's going to ride this hype machine. I think teams are going to get scared about, and I say teams, you know, there's only a couple teams in this conversation. One is the Arizona Cardinals, 
will hold the number one pick, and two is the team that will trade with them to get it. Because ultimately, I think Arizona says, we've got Rosen, we're going to stick with that, let's collect the bounty from this number one pick and trade it. Murray's going number one. Because I think a trade happens. But I think if I'm Arizona, I know what Cliff Kingsbury said, who's now the head coach there. But do you really? You dump Josh Rosen after a year, do you put him on the same roster, let him compete it out? I, look, weirder things have happened. Kyler Murray's going number one. Despite his measurables. That's hot. Hand size. I, every time we have this discussion and, and the combine comes up, I think of that Seinfeld episode where Costanza was a hand model. Every single time. And he's wearing the oven mitts around. And <laughs> Elaine is like, you're a hand model? Let me see. Okay, yeah, they're pretty nice. That is one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes. What a story out of Buffalo. Now, what does Uncle Brent tell you, kids? Don't bet on sports, right? I have told you this for years. You don't listen to me, so I do what I can to help you along. We're going to have much more opportunity to do that here in New York State very soon as sports gambling is getting legal in states and casinos are getting approvals and it's just dotting the I's and crossing the T's. At this point, Turning Stone has already announced they're building a big sports lounge and it's coming, baby, right? So as much as Uncle Brent tells you not to bet on sports, it still happens, including this guy. Uh, from the Associated Press, a North Tonawanda man's elaborate scheme to avoid paying out thousands of dollars in a Super Bowl bet unraveled this week, shortly after troopers found him. Now, let's stop right here. Let's stop right here. What was this man's elaborate scheme to avoid paying out thousands of dollars in a Super Bowl bet? So I left off with troopers found him. I'm just going to let you marinate on this one for a little bit. What was the elaborate scheme that this gentleman came up with? You got an idea in your head? Okay. Let's go on. Police found, uh, here it is. Troopers found him tied up with duct tape inside his own truck at a Topps parking lot. Police found Robert Brandle, 60, around 2.40 p.m. on February 27th inside his blue Ford F-150 truck. He was in the back seat with a rope tied around his neck, the other end tied of the headrest. Oh, this sounds serious, man. What happened here? Oh, it gets better. Duct tape was wrapped around his hands and ankles. He then spun a bizarre tale for troopers who began an abduction and robbery investigation. Randall told police that he picked up two men in his truck on February 25th who had placed bets on a Super Bowl pool. The men brandished a pistol and stole $16,000 in cash that he had won from the payout of the pool. Brando claimed the pair made him drive around various places in western New York against his will, eventually leaving him tied up in a Topps parking lot, according to New York State Police. But an investigation quickly revealed that Brando made the whole thing up. That's right. To get out of a Super Bowl bet, this guy faked his own kidnapping. In fact, Brandel had run a $50,000 payout Super Bowl pool in which he made up names in some of the squares, hoping to win and take the winnings. It didn't quite play out as planned, and the man was on the hook for most of the $50,000. He now faces charges, including first-degree scheme to defraud a felony and falsely reporting an instant, which is a misdemeanor. To get out of a gambling debt, a Super Bowl pool bet in this case, my man faked his own kidnapping. 
Now, what do we think is the appropriate response to this, Stephen A? Respect your elders. Okay, I don't know what that has to do with anything. The guy is drunk. Maybe. That's not bad. I, I, I kind of like that. Right, you know, there's validity to that opinion. No, there's not validity to that opinion, John. I mean, certainly this applies. That's just dumb. Certainly this applies. Dumb. But here's, here's, here's what I think my response to this is. I think we got to go slow clap. I think we got to go 80s movie slow clap response to this because, I mean, you could have just ran. You could have went and hid somewhere. You could have gone off the grid. There's always the faking your own death thing. But my guy, my guy fakes his own kidnapping. Woo! Throw it to Lucas! It's going to be hard to top that story for the rest of the week. Is only Thursday, though. Let's break. We'll come back. Mike McAllister, top of the hour. Jim Beheim later. We'll go on the blind side. A lot to do. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.